Um, well, I get to uh, bring the message this morning, and so I'm just going to jump on in um, to what God wants to say and what he wants to do in our hearts. Um, we kicked off last month. Our whole theme um, of the month is hope is born. And I tell you, I attended on Friday night my very first women's Christmas party. <laughs> and I didn't have to wear a dress, and I didn't have to get a wig. I, I served. I had to work, and that was a lot of fun. But man, we, we, man, we had a good time. I'm, I'm just one of the girls. No, we, it, was, it was so great to see them have a good time. No, it was so awesome to be a part. And uh, the team that put that together, uh, my wife and Carrie Ann and, and, and so many volunteers that decorated and all the men that served, um, it was powerful. It was a powerful moment um, and you, you couldn't have scripted it, what God did there, and it was just phenomenal. So um, we're just going to continue this morning and talking about hope is born. Um, last week, we talked about locking on hope and the importance about setting hope um, as a filter and as a guard to guard everything that happens in and through our lives. And so today, we're going to talk about what hope does. You know, you learned in English... Um, what a noun is and what a verb is. And hope is something, it's an action. You, it is a verb. It is, it, is, it is something that does. It is something that you do. Our key verse for this uh, series is in Romans 15, 13. And I'm reading it out of the Amplified Version, and it says this. It says, may the God of your hope fill you with all joy. Say all joy. All joy. Say all peace. All joy and all peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promise. How many of you know this morning that God's promises over your life and God's promises over this church give us confidence? Give us confidence to live. Give us confidence to do what he's called us to do. Um, have you ever been, and again, if you want to raise your hands, you can, but you don't have to. Have you ever been so excited in life that you feel like you're going to crawl out of your body and out of your skin in excitement? Has anyone ever had that experience where you're literally, you feel so excited about something, you look around and you just want to make sure no one's watching you because you're about to do something that might be a little embarrassing? Huh? And, and anyone there with me? You're so excited and you're just like, yes, yes. Or is it, is it just me, right? It may just be me, but it's almost something that rises out of your chest. That it's almost like pulsing through your blood and through your veins, like a rush that you're like, the only way to contain it is to release it. Right, is to express it. We were watching yesterday one of our sons play basketball, and he is a, uh, he is a football player on a basketball court, is, is, is what his description is. And he had an opportunity where he um, gracefully ripped the ball out of someone's hands. And this is our first time playing with this team, and all the parents looked over at us, and they were like, wow. And then he looked over at Kara, my wife, and I, and he went... Yeah. And I thought, oh, right. But again, it was, so, he was so excited, right? He could hardly contain it. Um, 
I've had moments several years ago being able to attend the NFC Championship game of the Seattle Seahawks. And so excited, without even knowing what I was doing, I was hugging my neighbor, who his name is Aaron, section 331, row R, seat 16. That's all I know about him. Hugging Aaron, jumping up and down. And it was okay until he started to spin me, and I was like, dude, you crossed the line, right? <laughs> no, none of that, right? But that, that excitement, right? There's other things in life that maybe, have you ever been so nervous, and you're almost like just holding your breath, where you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out, and you're almost like, and then when it works out, it's like, Right, so you can experience the same emotion from excitement, but then also through some very painful parts of life. I remember um, a time in, in our marriage with when we were holding our firstborn in the or not our firstborn, our fourthborn in the hospital, and we were excited, but more than excited, we were just relieved that he was here. Right, it was like. He's here. The title of my message today is The Thrill of Hope. The Thrill of Hope, right? And obviously, I didn't make that up. I got it from the song that you're probably going to sing, right? A Thrill of Hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And my prayer and my desire for my life and my prayer and my desire for you and for this church and for your family this year is that you would live being thrilled by hope. Think about it. When was the last time that you were thrilled by anything, let alone hope? My prayer is that you would live your life being thrilled by hope. The word thrill means this. It means to cause someone to have a sudden feeling of excitement and pleasure, right? That's the Seahawks moment, hugging and spinning. But it also means to pass an emotion or a sensation with a nervous tremor, right? Where you are so almost nervous and walking on eggshells and you're like, I'm so much, this is scary, but this is so thrilling at the same time. Right, we're talking about good expectation, excitement, anticipation, right? A healthy gasp where you're just waiting for your hope to be revealed, right? Where you're just waiting for that. You know, I think about Mary and Joseph this season and uh, everything that they experience. And if you really start looking in the details of her birth story, because you ladies love to tell your birth stories, right? You're like, well, tell me about your birth story, and tell me about this, and, and it's great. But if you really think about Jesus' birth story, talk about a hot mess, right? Talk about just a crazy circumstance. But on the other side of that night was the thrill of hope them sitting in that manger saying, we literally are parents to the Savior of the world. Can you imagine everything that went on in them? We defined last week a biblical hope, that hope is an expectation based on the promises of God. 
Okay? God's hope is not based on feelings. Amen? God's hope is not based on desire. God's hope is not based on having positive thoughts. Those are all good things. But true biblical hope is based on the promises of God. Uh, a famous uh, biblical teacher and preacher uh, and writer um, said this. Max Lucado said this. Hope is not what you'd expect, but it's what you would never dream. It is wild and probable tale with a pinch me, I'm dreaming ending. Hope is not granted wish or favor performed. No, it is far greater than that. It's a zany, unpredictable dependence on a God who loves to surprise us out of our socks and be there in the flesh to see our reaction. Okay, it's this unpredictable excitement. When we talk about having hope in God, where I don't know, God, how this is going to turn out, but I'm on the bus. Right? Have you ever felt that in your life where you're like, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm here, but I'm excited, but I'm waiting. You know, much like the encounter that the angel had with Joseph, the one who God chose to marry Mary. In Matthew 1, starting with verse 20, I'm reading from the NLT, it says this, and this is the encounter that the angel had. As Joseph was considering, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him to, and he took Mary as his wife. Think about the shock factor. Think about the weirdness. Think about telling that engagement story to your relatives. How did it happen? Emmanuel, okay, God with us. Listen, Emmanuel, God with us, that alone should give us hope. The fact that our God is with us. He is not watching us. He is with us. He is with us. That gives me hope this morning. You know, here we are in the middle of a season, a lot of people, a season of Advent, right? Advent means a celebration of the arrival. But here's what's interesting about the Christmas Advent is we are celebrating the arrival of Jesus who already arrived. We are celebrating a fulfilled promise, but we are also celebrating a unfulfilled promise. And that unfulfilled promise is the fact that he is coming back. And I was thinking about that. How do you celebrate an unfulfilled promise? Oh, you right? You, you, oh, I'm just so jacked up for this raise I'm going to get at work. I'm just, well, are you getting one? Well, 
I don't know, but I'm so excited about it. Well, have you talked to anybody? Well, right, think about it. How do you celebrate an unfulfilled promise, right? It's kind of hard in the natural Okay, but if we understand as sons and daughters that the fulfilled promise of baby Jesus coming in a manger, that it happened, that is real, that is secure. But the fact that he is coming back again is just as real as the fact that he already came once as a baby. So we can be confident because the Bible says that all of God's promises are a yes and resound with a amen. Right, So we can be confident and we can have hope this morning in an unfulfilled promise that Jesus is coming back and he hasn't left us. Amen? Amen. So if he said it, it's just as good as when he does it. So I want to talk about three aspects of hope this morning rather quickly. And I'm praying these things over your life, and I'm taking these things for my life. And I believe as we tap in to the idea that hope is born, everything in our life will change. The first thing I want to talk about today is hope releases. You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 9. It says this, and this is the three wise men, right? King Herod was talking to them. It says this, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Okay, my translation in my head says, when they saw the star... They started hugging, jumping up and down, and spinning around with excitement. Okay? Their hope caused them to be filled with joy. They then entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, they worshipped him, they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, myrrh, and frankincense. Listen, when they saw the star, they rejoiced. When they saw the star, they had joy, right? All of their hopes have come to pass. They rejoiced because hope releases out of our life. Hope caused them to have joy, to celebrate, and to give. And you're thinking, oh, that's good. We got to understand a little bit. If you're familiar at all with the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know that the last book of the Old Testament was the book of Malachi, And then in your Bible, you turn your page, and the very next page, you are in Matthew. Okay, that page turn is 400 or so years. So you turn your page in a half a second, you scroll down with your thumb on your phone, and you just move 400 years ahead. Okay, you've got to understand that the very last thing one of the very last things that God said to his people in a nutshell was, number one, you robbed me. (laughs) Number two, you want to do this on your own? You want to do it without me? Have fun. And then he said, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I am going to restore the hearts of sons to fathers and fathers to sons. And for 400 years, God was mostly silent to his people. 
Talk about an awkward moment. Okay, so you could imagine, oh, God left. Oh, he'll be back. 400 years? Could you, the only thing they had was the stories of telling their kids. They didn't have the experience because everyone was dead. But the promise and the fable and the tale about Jesus is coming back. Can you imagine the patience? No thanks. 400 years. Can you imagine that story losing its power? Well, what's going to happen? Well, you know, well, we heard that Jesus is going to come back and there's this promised Savior. Well, when's he coming? Well, I don't know. Well, how long has that story been going on? Well, uh, like 400 years ago? Oh. Huh. Who, who told you? Well, my great, 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 great grandpa told. But, but, I mean, could, oh, sure. That, that's a cute story. So when they, they went, <sighs> because hope releases. They waited 400 years to breathe life again. And here they saw the star as a sign and they rejoiced. Can you imagine doubt creeping in? Hey, we're going to see, right? Well, it's too early to tell. You think this is him? I want to say to us this morning, you and your family and this church, it is okay to release. You can release. I think many of us have had seasons where we've been holding our breath, playing it safe, not taking risks, afraid, well, what if God doesn't meet me here? What if God doesn't show up there? What if it was just me and it wasn't really a promise from God? And so what happens? We end up just holding back. But I want to tell you this morning that hope releases. And hope wants to release in your life today. Can I tell you this? To breathe, to rejoice, to recognize in this Christmas season and also recognize as a church that hope wants to release in your life and through your life. Come on. Hope releases. Number two, so allow the hope to be released in you and through you. Number two, hope renews. If you read your New Testament, one of the... The main reason Jesus came on the scene is he came to restore. He came to renew. And the definition of restore is to its original purpose. If you look through the life of Jesus, he restored sight. He restored relationship. He restored marriages. He restored physical ailments. He restored things into their original purpose purpose. One of the examples I have of this is in Matthew 9. And it's the calling of a man named Matthew. And it says this. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his booth, his tax collector's booth. Follow me. Be my disciple. Jesus said to him, Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as guests for dinner, along with many tax collectors, which were like the scum, And other 
just reputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning from this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Listen, the life of Jesus was all about restoration, and he has called those who are his followers to live lives and be examples of being restored, but also to be the extension of the restoration that can happen with the life of Jesus Christ, because hope restores. Okay, the enemy of our soul is opposite. The Bible says in John 10.10 that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So my question this morning for us is, what have you lost? What has been stolen from you? Courage, confidence, has your purpose been lost? Has your self-esteem, your vision, your identity your sense of contentment. How about your sleep? Because of stress. Your clear judgment. Your security. How about your ability to laugh? Has your ability to laugh and enjoy life to the fullest been stolen? I want to tell you this season and today that hope restores and God wants to restore all those things in your life today now one of the biggest lies of hopelessness is this is that you believe that you will never get the things back that you've lost oh I blew it oh I really messed up this time listen the hope of Jesus restores God will restore the things that he wants you to have to get you to the place that he wants you to be. The third thing this morning that hope does is hope recalls. Hope recalls, hope remembers. One of the things that I love to do in a corporate church setting is this church, like once a month, we take communion. We're not doing that today. Um, That would have been really good planning, right? Um, But we're not doing that today. But hope recalls. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23, it says this. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance. Do this in recalling me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Say this, do this in remembrance. Say remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. So I love taking communion. And we do that, and we always do it, you know, the way that we do it, and we say, you know, and Jesus broke bread with the disciples, and said, you know, 
in this, you know, this is my body broken for you. You know, we do, we do what we're to do, but it's not that we have holy grape juice, people. We probably buy the bread from Amazon, okay? It's not that that is powerful in itself, but what's powerful about doing it, it's the, the um, idea of remembering. That's what's powerful, that you are remembering, oh yeah, his blood really cleanses. Okay, and I, and I, don't, I don't picture the, the disciples, he left and he rose and he said, do this when you get together. I can't imagine the very first time they got together that they were like, and then Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread and he said, this is my, no. I think they went around the room and they said this. Hey, Peter, what do you remember about Jesus? Oh, I I remember that he told me that I was going to deny him. And I told him I wouldn't. And then I did three times. And then I remember when he rose and he said, where's Peter? That's what I remember. Oh, what do you remember? I remember that time we got in the boat and we were scared and, and, you know, and you were crying like a little baby. And Jesus said to trust him, but we didn't trust him. And I remember he told those seas to stop and they did. And then Jesus asked us to go on another boat ride with him the next week. That's what I remember about Jesus. Hey, man, I know what do you remember? I remember, man, I remember when he called Judas out around the table and said, Judas, do what you need to do and betray me. I remember that. And then I remember that he still broke bread with Judas. That's what I remember. I remember when he took us to the garden to pray. We fell asleep. (laughs) How embarrassing. But he still taught us the principle. I remember crying out to God when I was 14. And God answered my cry. I remember feeling like I, I was just done. And God breathe life into me for an hour and 20 minutes through other people. I remember those moments in my life. What do you remember about Jesus? Do because hope remembers. So go back. What does God say to you 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago? What promise is not fulfilled yet? Will you remember And when we remember where we have come from, where we had gone, where we are right now, and even where we are going, hope begins to fill the room. Amen? Worship team, would you come up here? Psalms 106 says this. It says, but they soon forgot what he had done, and they did not wait for his plan to unfold. Listen, I do not want to forget what God has done, and I do not want to forget what God has said. Listen, when we forget God's last miracles, I believe that we will begin to live a life that will forfeit God's future miracles. I don't want to forget God's miracles. Because hope 
remembers. Would you stand up with me? So, so my question is where are you in your thrill meter? Right? When's the last time that you've been thrilled with hope? I think we said it earlier today, at some point, we said, lift up your eyes. Listen, I think for some of us, God wants to have that star experience with you today, where you see the star, you see the hope, and it begins to be released in your life. How many of you are in that place today? Come on. How many of you are in that place where you need to see that hope be released in your life? How many of you, and you don't need to raise your hands, need things to be restored? How many of you have lost your joy? How many of you have lost your vision? How many of you need to see hope restored over your marriage, over your apparent relationship, over a, a situation? I do. And then how many of you is God saying, remember the promise. Remember what I called you to do. Remember when I met you and you were hopeless and I filled you with hope. I believe that he wants to do that in you right now and today. You know, I, I realize in this room today that there is probably people in this room that do not know Jesus Christ as their savior. They don't know, you don't know Jesus Christ. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. It's not about knowing the Bible. It's about a relationship. Romans 5.5 says this. It says, the hope of Jesus is not a disappointing fantasy because we now can experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. I realize that there may be people who today could be your day to begin a relationship with Jesus and I don't want that moment to pass. Because this season, hope can change everything in your life. Would everyone in this room just close your eyes for a minute. I want to pray for us and I want us to do some business with God because I was praying this week for the message. I felt like God wanted to, wanted to restore. God wanted to lift up your eyes. God wanted to bring you to a place of remembrance. So Father, in this moment, in this space and time, Father, we just pause. And Father, I ask God that you would begin to release hope in situations that have been hopeless. Father, I ask that you would begin to restore where things need to be restored. And Father, would you bring us to a place of remembrance? I remember when you showed up, God. Father, would you do those things in our hearts today? Father, all over this place, God, we posture ourselves. This morning, in this moment, if, if there is 
Anyone in this room that has not begun a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an invitation today to begin a relationship with Jesus. And we're not going to do anything to embarrass you or anything. It's not about that. But I want to pray for you today. And so just in this moment, if there's anyone that wants to begin a relationship with Jesus, would you just raise your hand so I can know who I'm praying for? And I want to pray for you this morning. I cannot let this service go by talking about hope without giving an opportunity. And so if you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus, I see those hands. Thank you. Come on, can we all pray this prayer together? Whether you raised your hand or not this morning, can we repeat after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. And thank you for raising again. Today I ask you to be my Lord. To be my hope. To be my Savior. Come into my life. Then cleanse me from sin. Restore hope. Restore joy. And restore peace in my life. Amen. Amen. And for those of you that have a relationship with Jesus, allow him to do the things in your heart this season that hope wants to do. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this chorus.